0: EBN network. Browns fans talking to Browns fans. i don't know yet, but I'm excited. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Yes! Yes! Yes, yes. that went about exactly as expected i uh don't know about you but that's there was never a point point in this game that i had any thought that we were going to win there there was just there was never not at any point did i believe that that we that we were going to win this game i, I predicted uh, i think 31 30 and being 26 23 it was funny because there's a guy uh By by the way, my name is Easy Weave, this is Easy Does It on the DBN Network, and we are a little burnt to a crisp here after sitting out uh, in the baking Florida sun in the mid-80s through pretty, and it was actually hotter than that, through pretty much the entire thing today from Raymond James Field, and of course I uh, am pretty close within a couple mile proximity of uh, Ray J. And any time since, and there's been many times, this is actually, I counted this, this is the fifth time that I've had a chance to watch the Browns and the Buccaneers from uh, Raymond James Stadium. And I think that, since I've, since I've been down living in Florida, and I think that uh, the, there was, and there was one other time that I saw them play in Cleveland in 1995, uh, and then I've seen—I think I've seen one other Bucks game, other than that. i like, have been like every game that I've seen the Bucks play uh, is, has been against the Browns, except one of them. I think it was like 2011. But at any rate, because I'm gonna—because instead I'm watching my guys. But I'm just. There was never a point in this uh, in this game, and this is the first time, by the way. Because usually, you know, I'm a fairly magnanimous guy, and, and I live here. You know, I've, I've decided to call this place my home. So, and I have a love for the local sports team, even the teams, even though they don't um, compare to you know my Cleveland, you know, origins. You know, the the Browns, the Indians, and the Cavaliers; those are my teams. And then, secondary to that is you know the buccaneers are i've I've, you know they've been a a part of my life almost as long as the browns have and the rays came along in the mid-90s and of course there's the lightning and there isn't a, a cleveland counterpart i don't really have any i have no feeling whatsoever towards columbus um and, you know, likewise, the Cavaliers are the only basketball team that I care about. So all that to say, uh, I was with probably a maybe 75% filled stadium. Maybe 75 Maybe 75%. Um, that seems about right from my perspective. I was up fairly high uh, and got, like I say, burnt, burnt pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely uh, raccoon-like in terms of the way that my, uh, because of my sunglasses on all day, and so I got burned all around the bottom portion of my face, sorry, hit the mic right there, and, uh, my arms, like, I noticed after the first half that the, my forearms were totally complete beet red, so I actually spent the second half with my forearms turned up, um, showing, exposing my, uh, the under part of the arm, so that way I try to even it out a little bit, because you know I don't usually hang out uh, in the sun all that often even though I live down here it's just you know not you know, when you, when you live down here you figure out ways to avoid that as much as possible but you know today out up in it and of the 75% crowd that was there uh, it looked to me to be probably 50-50 to 60-40 Browns fans to Bucks fans which is a pretty common thing because down here, you know, everybody, everybody that is here is from someplace else. If you live in the Tampa area, it, it, it's you know, I mean, it, it not just for sports purposes, but just generally, everybody here is like a melting pot of the world here in Tampa, and <clears throat> a lot, a lot of uh, northeastern Ohio people, and really from all over New York, Chicago, all, all of that Midwestern folks t- come down here for a lot of reasons. Uh, Not the least of which is the weather. And today, the you know, there wasn't a. I mean, it was was about other than just being hot. It was about a perfect day. I'm sure down on the field, it probably had to be you know in nineties, close to a hundred. But I didn't. It didn't look to me like like fatigue was really an issue. I mean, both teams were playing in it. Uh, as 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 far as that goes, but for, in the section that I was in is interesting. I, I went with a uh, a brood of people, and we of course we're all Browns people, except the one guy that uh, just happened. He, I work with him. And he's a Falcons guy, and so he was there uh, more or less just cheering on the the Bucks losing as much as anything, and, and you know just showing support his support in that way. But probably the area that I was in had was more saturated with Cleveland people. I mean, there was Cleveland people everywhere and when the browns did something good the 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 stadium erupted every bit as much for whenever something good happened for the browns as it did for whenever something good happened and the thing is is bucks people that are there they live with this this is the world that they live in and as it happened there's two dudes at uh came down and sat down next to me they were in the seats next to us for the whole game and they were cool i mean they were bucks guys and so they were cool man I just and, and but here's it's interesting about these guys um because and at the end of the game and they're total i mean they are total bucks uh, homers and what i was getting at is that every time i've gone to either whether it's been uh, an indians game against the rays or a browns game against the buccaneers i usually go neutral and i don't like, you know, because everybody does it, right? I've always, you know, it's, it's an annoying thing because um, I do, you know, care for these teams and you always have to put up with the, uh, you know, when they, when they were playing in the, you maybe not know this, but when they were playing in the Stanley Cup finals a couple of years back. Um, there was actually like the uh, the stadium was... Like they 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 were they like had a, a city ordinance or like where where you couldn't wear like Blackhawk um, you know, uh, paraphernalia like going into because it's it's a thing that happens it's kind of like when we were outnumbered in Game Seven of the World Series against the Cubs. <clears throat> not to bring up any sore spots. Now you notice that I'm taking forever to actually get to the game. But I'm I'm getting there. And these two guys that were next to me. I mean, these guys they're they're typical. They're like everybody else that's down here. They're total Bucks guys. Uh but they but the guy but he said over and over he's like, "You know, uh, uh, Bucks are my team, I man. I love the Browns, man. They're like the team other than and they kept when I mean, it was 3 to 2, they're like, "This is the best. This is like the most. They actually they actually said this. They're like, "That's like the most Browns Bucks score you can have." So these guys, these guys were cool. I mean, while I was unabashedly, because this was the today was the exception. I'm sitting here. I'm actually right now wearing my Baker Mayfield jersey, uh, given to me by uh, some beloved friends. And uh, it's the first jersey. It's the first Browns jersey of any kind that I have owned since uh, a Vinny Testaverdi jersey that I had back in the mid '90s. I just I have not bought a jersey in that long, and I did buy this one. It was given to me, but it's the first time that I've gone full on Browns fan. So I'm there with with my with my peeps and you know uh, basically like I always do with my wife anyway I'm just kind of talking through the commentary throughout the entire game and but then there's other uh there's there's these other like Browns guys like there's a, and it was it was like this all over the place there's like a bunch of Browns people and then some Bucks people mixed in, and then same, you know, vice versa. There's just Bucks and Browns people just intermingled uh, all over the place. And these dudes, it's funny because these dudes next to me start getting in a shouting match with a Browns guy down uh, a couple of rows down. And the Browns guy is looking, he's like, "Hey, hey, you're still the Bucks. You're still the Bucks." And I'm like, and these guys are, and and I forget what even the hell they were even. It was like. It was like they made a first down or something, and the guy was like, "Look at the coach! Look at the... It was it was stupid. It was just you know guys cheering. It's their home freaking field, you know. And this Browns guy's giving him a hard time, and he's like, "You're still the Bucks." I'm like, "Well, look, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, you know, because I'm." It's kind of absurd to me because they're like sitting next to me, and we're all cool, and then this guy's being kind of an a hole about the whole thing. But I'm like, look, yeah, they may be the Bucks, but um, you know, who are we? And I'll tell you who we are. We're the worst coached team possibly. In all of sports, definitely in all of the NFL and probably um, the major sports. But I mean, all this is what I'm what I'm getting at is throughout the course of the game. You know, there was a stat I saw, and I and I was totally not surprised. It's a ridiculous stat. And when I tell you this, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that is ridiculous, but I don't doubt it one bit, and it makes total sense. And maybe we talked about this last week, I forget. But the stat is that on 2nd and 10, like when we have 2nd and 10, we call a running play on something like 48% of those, and actually it's long, it's more than that. But the point is it always goes for 2 yards. And so many times today... I knew exactly what we were going to do on offense. I knew exactly what plays we were going to run. From the formation, I could tell exactly what we were going to do because I've been watching this team, coached by Hugh Jackson now, for two and a half years. I've been watching this team for a lot longer than that, of course. And I was around a lot of people today. that I'm going to get to all all of that um, as we go along here, but... I'm watching this and I I'm, I'm just I'm able to pick it up as it's happening. I know what's going to happen. And these guys, and these guys like I say, they are total like every time the Bucks would do something, they're like, you know, uh, jumping up and screaming. And then every time the Browns would do something, I would, you know, stand. I didn't I, I I did my best to um not do a whole lot of of actual shouting because uh well because I wanted to talk to you people. Um and it's just always good to kind of save the pipes. But I, you know get animated, jump up and down and all that type thing, and and again we were we were totally it was a totally cool like Symbiote the whole the whole game um, that like they're asking me questions they're like so what was the deal with why why did you guys trade Carlos Hyde you know like and then they were asking you know what was the, what do you guys think of what did you th- think about the Gordon situation and so we talked about like the whole thing and they were told and I had like questions about. Um, the bucks Ross. Awesome. actually as it turns out these uh, this dude that was uh, two seats down from me went to high school with Orson Charles so there was one play where he made a block and these and they called his name over the PA speaker and these guys just erupted out of the chair next were like Orson I like really thought it was the coolest thing in the world I'm like yeah man that was totally cool. And he, he goes by uh, I I didn't realize he went to high school it was close by here so As the game is going along, what was interesting is I'm, like, running commentary the whole game, you know, like, observing what I'm seeing, just because I just at this point, I can't help it, I have to, I have, when I watch the Browns, that's how I have to be. Um, Either I have to do it audibly, or if I don't have anybody to talk to, then I'm on the threads, just like, you know... Which I wasn't at all today because I was because you know, I was there, but in the second half, these two guys that are total full-on Bucks guys, and by the way, the one dude was definitely hammered. The one, the other guy, he's he, I think he was kind of younger, so he wasn't. I don't think that he was drinking at all, but um, but he, but he, but he also was kind of like I don't, I mean, he was he was cool, but just kind of younger, so maybe not um as uh, you know. Ab- Either way. <laughs> they were they knew what what Hugh was going to do, like they picked up on as the game was going along and were calling out what the browns were going to do like before we would go about doing what we were going to do, particularly on offense and so this this again this this really even in the again there was no there was no point in this game where I thought we were going to win, and even if we would have somehow. And, and and we'll just I guess this is as good a place to start as anywhere we're in overtime where we have been now four times and we've come away with a win one time in those four times so you can say that's hard luck that's hard luck no I see I look at it a different way I think we have a very good roster and I am I'm just really at uh, I, I've got a serious lack of patience for things that are really obvious to me and you know I can I can look past game management you know like I, I can I can understand or I can I can look past it a little bit because a lot of coaches are just not tr- tremendously great at it you know and I always I mentioned this many times but it, it's a, it's a serious thing Matt Wood came up with this a long time ago where he uh, said you know you'd be better off to just get a guy that plays Madden all the time. And that guy just is your guy. Like, seriously, the NFL teams just hire this guy. Pay him, you know, sixty grand a year. Or whatever, anything. And all he does is tells you what to do in down and distant circumstances, particularly at the end of halves or the end of games. And and I, I realize why it's not uh, copacetic. I realize why it's not plausible. And it's because there's a you know, there would be a built-in, you know, uh, accusation or, or I should say, um, you know, understanding that you coaches just basically don't have the the wherewithal to handle this. But there's, and there was a couple of instances today where it was egregious. And here's the thing to me, and, and we're fourth and three, right? Or no, I'm sorry, third and three. We are at the I believe we're at the... Because it was a 55-yard field goal at this point. We're at the 38-yard line, right? In overtime. And a field goal wins. It's third and three. And the guy that is... Because, uh, I, I, again, I'm just calling commentary throughout this entire game. And I'm like... This is two-down territory right here. And the dude that was, like, one row down but was kind of just, like, you know, just, like, right, right next to me was, he looks at he's Browns guy. He looks at me, he's like, yeah, yeah, this is definitely two-down territory. We both were thinking the exact same thing. You know, Chubbs is running the ball well. The idea is here that you run the ball on fourth and three. If you don't get it, it's going to be fourth and two or fourth and one. And if not, then maybe you can kick a long field goal from there. You can certainly try it. Because at that point, you know, fifty. Even though uh, uh, Joseph missed badly on a fifty-five yarder against um, who was it? The Raiders. Yeah. That 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 could have happened, but I'm thinking, you know, just do a dive play, just do that twice. In- instead of doing that, we drop back, <laughs> slow developing, long pass sequence, and all game long. You know the the offensive line probably its worst game of the year. It looked to me against a defense that had been terrible. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. I don't know what his stats were, but you know he he just manhandled everybody that he went up against. And so we end up taking a sack instead of uh, in a situation where yeah that can happen. But you know you this is why we are what is the what is the record now Three, 34 and one. You know at some point. It is the coach that is responsible for the things that happen to the football team. And look, I am somebody that is as, you know, calling for patience and wanting people to give the guy the benefit of the doubt and to exercise, you know, I I, I mean, we've exercised so much patience over the years. But, you know, especially in the third year, in the third year, you expect to see things to start improve. And I guess things have improved. As in, you know, we've been a lot... Cl- every game... Every game... You figure we got we got our, our faces stomped in by the Chargers, right? We have the loss to the Saints. And then, is it every other game that we've been in was in overtime? Is that right? Because it's four games now. Our record now is 2-4-1, and one, right? So that's... Yeah, that's seven games... Let me do the math here. Seven games. You take away the charger game, is six and four games. And then the Char- I'm, I'm missing one, the the uh, Jets game. That's right. And that was another one that was a, a nail biter, but um, you know Baker's debut. So I guess you could say. But I to me, I look at this roster. I look at Miles Garrett playing. I mean, guy, another game. He's getting held on just about every play. But in you know in in crunch time, over and over again, he's getting home. I don't know what you guys saw on the television, but to me, because it was where he was rushing was on my side of the field. So I was able to watch him pretty much unencumbered, and he was dominating. I mean, he was dominating Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith was, of course, holding him all over the place. They called it on one play, and yet we still – but he he also got held on the pass play to Winston – or Winston made to uh, Deshaun Jackson, which set up a 58-yarder, and of course Catanzaro hits it. But that shouldn't have ever happened because, you know, Jabril Peppers, and look, I'm pretty much done with him as a return guy also. He had a big return, which is like, all right, cool, you know, maybe he's going to turn a corner, did the same thing last week, and then in the worst possible moment, worst possible moment, fumbles the ball, we never get the ball back. After the defense, heroically, and even after that, the defense, heroically. And to me, that was was all about the um you realize I don't know how much you were able to see this, but I, I was shocked. They had Demarius Randall on Mike Evans pretty much all day. Particularly in the second half. That's when I really noticed it. But I noticed that on one of the long pass plays I'm like, okay, there's Randall covering, you know, uh uh on the uh you know, he's getting beaten in coverage, but what's he doing following him in cover? And I noticed that he's lined up on one-on-one, basically, because they had Denzel Ward on Jackson in order to take away the deep ball, which I guess that worked. But clearly, that was the uh, game plan for dealing with the loss of uh, Terrence Mitchell. Who would have thought Terrence Mitchell would have been as valuable as he was? And uh, EJ Gaines. But with those guys being out... Uh, it was, you know, but again, I don't, even with that problem in the secondary, and even with Joe Schobert being out, I thought, uh, you know, Kirko did pretty well, you know, playing the mic. But still, our guy's kind of out of position, all, you know, this is, this is, again, where I'm getting at, so predictable offensively and defensively. Jameis just, he just did the same thing all day. You know, he either had the... Uh, you know, the the stop-back route where – I mean, and, and the guy was open um, all day, you know, coming back, back shoulder throwing, what have you. And then if that wasn't there, then the middle was open all day for him to run into. And we just, again, never really, um, you know, made the adjustment. I mean, it just – it was just – to me, it was, it was just another embarrassment to the coaching staff to even be in that circumstance – where I mean, offensively and defensively, they just they just looked like so much better of a team than us for you know up until really about the uh, uh, the beginning of the second half. And yeah, the guys fought back. Give him credit for that. Uh, Twenty minutes into this, haven't really even talked about Baker Mayfield. I, you got a huge problem with his performance today. I thought the kid looked pretty good. You know he uh, he ran into one sack, had a couple passes that were a little off target, but on balance. You know, there was a lot fewer drops today. Um, One thing that I wasn't thrilled with him doing is he went short a lot, did a lot of check down stuff. But then again, he also had a lot of pressure. And again, this is probably the offensive line's overall worst performance of the season going up against a pretty weak Buccaneers front, missing its best player. And yet they collapsed the pocket routinely. I don't know what the issue is. And I really wish that we had Sean Coleman on the roster because he looked better last year than Chris Hubbard looks this year. Whatever, it was one of Meathead's guys. And that's how that is. But you know what? I am I am totally willing to forego. I, I would very much like it, and I've had kind of this qualifier. I would very much like it if uh, Meathead were the one to be able to pick the uh, replacement for Hugh. But I don't really care at the same time. I mean, even if it is Jimmy Haslam that picks the successor, I'm not going to say... The thing that that people always say in this circumstance that they should never, ever, 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 ever say. And you you know. You know. You know exactly what it is. That's why I'm not going to... That's why I don't have to say it, because you know. But I will say that the chances of us landing someone better are overwhelmingly in our favor. The only reason that we went 0-16, unless, unless it was a full-on tank. And I don't think it was. I think it was actually a contingency model um, set up by, but that, but that ended up becoming the road to Baker Mayfield, as it were, because of Hugh Jackson. And we didn't have to go 0-16. We could have went 2-14 and and still picked up Baker. But the reason that we went 0-16, the reason that we didn't win a single game, is because of the coaching that we have. And I am I am not any longer going to entertain the notion that the reason is because of the, the talent that he had. The talent that he had on the roster last year, and certainly the talent that he has on the roster this year, is enough for him to overcome. But then he does things like, okay, look, and this is what I'm talking about, situational football. And I, I guess it's a, I don't know, I mean, I guess he just developed this over time. But to me there's things that are kind of like the rules that you develop. Okay, you're at the end of the half. If if they end up stopping you deep in your end, then if it's at the end of the half and you don't have, you know, timeouts to get the ball back to try to, you know, make a stand, then the move is to take the points. I realize that you want to get the touchdown. I like to get the touchdown too, but you gotta take the points, especially off a turnover. We got a turnover there. That's a big momentum swing. And yeah, it would have only been sixteen to five, but you take the points instead he ends up and again i 'm not averse to going for it necessarily on fourth down, for example, I got no problem going for it on fourth down uh, later on in the game where Baker ends up getting stood up at the goal line because we do end up scoring a touchdown in that scenario because the defense holds them uh, in their you know in their own end. Preppers actually had a nice punt return. That's what set him up close. Baker hits the touchdown pass to Lando, and who actually didn't have a terrible game today. Uh, and that's that was all... So, I mean, at that point, that was the right call to go for it on fourth and the goal line. But at going into the half, the call there is to take the points. You take the points. You take the points. Do you think the points would have been important in a tie game? Because at the end there, Catanzaro would have been kicking to tie the game. And instead, now, yeah, I realize you know that butterfly wings flap differently and all that. But those are the things that that bad coaches do that end up costing them games. And look, you can overcome that, but you can't overcome that when you also have guys that are constantly out of position. And there's also the issue of how many? How many was it today? Five, six, seven plays when you combine offensively and defensively good plays, huge momentum-changing plays that were taken away because of penalties. There was the the uh, sack that ended a drive that ended up being a touchdown for the Buccaneers that was uh, called back because of a. Now of course it was kind of a um a BS call the roughing the passer on Agba, who I thought had a game. Anybody got, people upset with the way Agba played today? I thought the guy was uh, was all over the place. I thought our pass rush, um, it got home when it needed to in crunch time. I was actually not expecting that to happen. But I thought that they, and even at the very end, I mean. But the, the problem is at the very end, you know, going at the end of the game, going into um, overtime, they marched the ball right down the field, and again, it's scheme. And plus, you know, Jameis Winston's a good quarterback guy, and, and I'm not, I have, I'm not making, you know, me making that comment is not anything. I am not making any sort of moral judgment on the man, one way or another. So don't read anything into it, please. What I'm saying is. The guy is a good quarterback, and today he showed that he's a good quarterback, and he's going to you know, continue to have good games. The Bucs are not going to win very many games because the Buccaneers overall are not a very good team. They do have a lot of offensive players, and especially at the skill positions. So they're going to score some points, and I think that there were some good defensive performances, but overall I thought that the Buccaneer offensive game plan consistently was better than the defensive game plan put up by Greg Williams. And so but we did um you know make some plays some good individual efforts and i thought that miles garrett even though he's only credited with two two tackles two sacks uh that's all that's all that's all he only had two sacks um having a good year but you know to me watching that the interception by collins that was all garrett i don't know if i again i i have i don't know because what i haven't seen any of the broadcast of the game. The only thing that I've seen is what I saw live on the field. And then after each play, the Bucks do have a big screen where they do show a replay. But the replay isn't the same replay that you see. The replay is like a camera that they have there um, that shows a totally different view. It's showing it like a a field level view. That's it's different from the broadcast view that you see on TV. So you do get a lot, which is good. They do they do, you do get to see um a lot of it, but you also get to see the, see it the first way through. So on that interception by Collins, that was a total full on. That was Garrett. That was Garrett beating his man, and there was a lot of you know Garrett beating beating Donald Smith a, a lot today. From what I saw, and I saw Agba beat his man uh, quite a bit today. But just how many times on offense we have a big play with it gets called back because of a holding or a I actually and I said this to uh, to my guy, my Falcons buddy, where we start a drive. I think it was the the drive in overtime, where still Baker ends up overcoming it. But w- as we had made the stop, right? We make the stop, and we're going to get the ball back one last time to go down the field, and. I'm like, I tell my buddy, I'm like, all that I want, before we, before we even got the ball, like, before the ball was even punted, and we're talking about the next possession, uh, my other buddy, the Cleveland dude that uh, went to the game with me was like, I want to see him go deep and uh, try to hit a home run on the first play. I'm like, look, all that I want is for us to not get called for holding on the first play of the drive." And, and, and sure enough, sure enough, that's because we're an undisciplined team. That The reason why I have that reaction is because we are an undisciplined disciplined disorganized very badly coached team that's why we're bad and we're a bad team I mean that's we have a lot of talent on this ball club Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback he's a good quarterback right now he's going to be even better he's a rookie he had some rookie moments today but he also had a lot of um moments that you know were, were much better than the, you know last week against the Chargers is probably going to be you know his aberration game um. I and look. I I had the pleasure of watching. I may. Have, I've probably mentioned this before, but I saw Brett Favre play like his fourth game. Uh, his as a starter, which was actually like you know halfway through his uh, sophomore season in the NFL because his first year he didn't play at all for the Falcons because uh, that's who actually drafted him was the Falcons and they traded him to Green Bay his uh, second year, and so I saw him after he had come in from Kowski. Uh they played at cleveland stadium browns won that game actually belichick's defense shut down the packers it was like 17 to 9 or something um so you know i, I, I and now i've seen baker mayfield play and i'm very grateful for that by the way yeah that was that's a big deal for me um i'm it really is I, to see baker mayfield play his uh what his fourth game his third start and i'm not trying to compare the two but you know baker where he has where he's at right now is not far from where farve was you know when i saw him play that fourth game against us you know way back in uh, 1993 but actually no i guess that was 1992 but baker um baker's gonna be all right and he I, I, you know today was a bounce back game not you know bad performance against the uh, the Chargers and look there's things about this game you could certainly look at uh, from a performance standpoint and and nitpick uh, not just nitpick but you can look at and um say that that uh, things could have been better better executed a couple of passes could have been uh, put in better spots at the same time he made a lot of passes and there was a drop by Njoku looked like a uh, a, a drop a flat out drop by him. And I don't recall really any other ones. You know, coming into this game, I think it was something like 10% of his passes this year have been dropped. Maybe that was going into the game last week against San Diego, and certainly uh, things didn't get any better. But the wide receiver play was better today. The wide receiver play was much improved, I thought, overall. As far as production, they still had a hard time getting off the line. And once again, you know, I saw something after the game that Hugh Jackson is getting more get more involved in the offensive play calling. I mean, to me, it looked like he was the offensive coordinator today, like he was the last two years with all of this big, long-developing stuff. You know, that's the thing. It's third and three. You're at the 38-yard line. A field goal wins it. And you got a running game that's going. And we're gonna do shotgun and slow developing pass play when the offensive line has gotten what was it five sacks they gave up again today? Just, um, just, just poor, just poor, poor conception, poor execution. And again, I, you know, I always bring up this guy Bup because I just I think he's brilliant when it comes to football matters, and he has indicated that I think he's nailed it that Hugh just doesn't really have. You know, that whole thing, That again, that sequence at the end of the first half, that's not, that. that's that's just kind of a feel thing. That's not a, that's not adherence to any sort of overarching, um, you know, coaching phlo- uh, philosophy about what to do in that circumstance. That's just kind of, well, I'm on, um, <laughs> I'm just, I just got a feeling here. So I'm just going to, you know, we're just going to let it go. That's not, that's not good coaching. And it's not good coaching when I know what's coming all the time. I, I know what's coming all the time from this offense. Um, the one thing that I saw, too, and again, I don't know how, how much of this you were able to see on the, um, the broadcast, but... For me, watching it from the stands, you know, again, you can kind of key on some things. One thing that I noticed, particularly on one play, and I didn't notice it being a problem on other plays, but there was one play in particular where Nick Chubb really stepped up and took out a uh, a uh, blitzer in pass protection. And if you'll recall, the pass protection was the uh, the thing that a lot of us were saying was the reason that he was not getting carries and Carlos Hyde was Carlos Hyde, of course traded this last week for a fifth round draft pick, which caused some consternation on the part of Brown's people. But I think today you saw from Nick Chubb and Nick Chubb, you know, he had, I saw it was like 81 yards on, he had a nice game statistically but would have had an even bigger game, probably would have been over 100 yards, if not for several plays being called back because of... And this is the thing, I realize that the refs are very inconsistent with the way they do things, but this is so much that this happens to us, I think at some point... And I yeah, I realize that these refs have been bad. I'm not giving them a pass, but I am saying at the same time... One of the reasons it keeps happening is because these guys actually are holding. You know, two weeks in a row, an offensive lineman gets called for a face mask, which brings back a big play. How many times do you see offensive linemen get called for face masks? That's sloppiness. Bob Wiley, your guys are sloppy. And they're definitely sloppy. Um, I don't know what's happened, but these guys have collapsed over the last couple of weeks. You know, they, it was it was a bad scene today. At least from my vantage point, there was there was not very many times where Baker had a clean pocket, uh, and yeah, I mean maybe he could have made uh, faster decisions, but it didn't look. There was like there was one instance where it looked like he ran right into a sack, but at the same time, it also looked like it was maybe only about a two yard loss. Um, and yeah, he had the play where it's a fourth down play. He ends up uh, getting the ball knocked away, um, and that's a you know, that's a tough break. Yeah, it was it was a, at the same time he made that big run later on. Where they had the unsportsmanlike, they picked up the flag for. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I, the referees were their usual terrible. Uh, they, they're they're awful. What do you want? I mean, it's 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 NFL. I, I the the officiating has been bad in the NFL since forever. You know, I mean, it, it pretty much always is, uh, and always has been, and it's particularly bad for us. But I don't, you know, when I look at this game today, th- th- we didn't lose because of the refs. And I think that the only game this year that you can look at and say that we lost because of the refs was the Oakland game, because that was a game where it was just. And, and, and oh, here's another thing. The you know, which which drives home the point about the Oakland game. What are you thinking, Hugh? With the challenge flag on the because I'm I watched that live, right? It didn't look like close at all to me. And then but and it Peppers like reacted to it real quick. So then you see the challenge flag come out, and I'm like, <laughs> it's like, okay, Hugh, I have it's like I have this conversation with him. Like, I've had it now probably, you know, 25, 30 times since he's been our coach. Maybe longer, maybe more than that. But it's like, do you just not know, do you just not understand the value of these times out, particularly when you get to the end-of-game circumstance? Like, at the end of the game today, at the end of regulation, if we have that time out, we could have, instead of using the last one to ice the kicker, we could have uh, tried to stop them, and maybe you give Baker like 30 seconds left if they make the kick to go do something with it. These are the things that you have to think about. Sorry, I, have a, I just found this little bat that was <laughs> next to me, and it just... Um, I think, that it, I think that, it, that it fits. These are the things that you have to think about. You have to be thinking about, what am I going to need at the end of the game if it all goes wrong? If it all goes right, then, yeah, none of this stuff matters. But, you know, stuff doesn't tend to all go right for us because, again, worst coached team, possibly, probably, maybe. I I, I would say the odds are high in all of sports. Definitely in the NFL. Definitely in the NFL. There was, you know, special teams play. You know, Adam, Whoever the punt returner is, you know, some pedestrian dude gets, you know, 10, 15 yards every time because our special teams guys are just completely incapable of following through on a tackle. They did okay on on uh, downing the ball at the one. That was pretty nice. Um, but when it comes to actually, like, you know, Colquitt, he ends up just, I think at the end it was just out of frustration when he just puts the ball in the end zone because he's like, why, why the hell even bother? If I give that guy a chance to return it, he's going to end up getting 15, 20 yards because our guys just have no... I mean, they, they, at this point, we are seven games into it. We're half the season done, and they are incapable of making a tackle. I think uh, Tanner Vallejo finally did today with the guy, actually, where he fielded the ball late in the game. And I still think that was the uh, – no, no, that was we we stopped them. We, we did. We stopped them there, and we had a chance. The defense gave us a, a chance multiple times today. But, again, I never, I never, ever – I had no feeling at all – at any point this week, at any point during the game, that I have any thought that we were going to win the game, I did have. You know, when we were down sixteen to two, I'm like, "This isn't gonna last. This isn't gonna happen. Baker's gonna come out and score some points in the second half." And I, I wasn't worried about that. I knew the Baker was gonna be okay, and I, I think the Baker was okay. You know, nothing great, um, but he he made some throws, and he, and he was he's not he's definitely not the reason that we didn't win this game today. You know, again, I'm looking at fourth and th- or third and 3 that's two down territory 38 yard line you need you better be you better at you better at very least you better get a 55 yard field goal attempt out of third and 3 from the 38 yard line in overtime with field goal to win you know what i'm saying you know what you understand what i'm getting at there is that's 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 something that i feel like breaking this it's a, it's a little miniature but you know what it is i'm holding my my brother gave me this it's a it's a florida marlins Baseball bat. A little miniature, like one of these little miniature baseball bats. And you see, Florida Marlins. Like, yeah. He gives it to me and I'm like, the Marlins. I hate the Marlins. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, because he's my brother. And I ha- and and wouldn't you know it that I, I keep this thing. That was like that was like 15 years ago, and I still have the damn thing. Anyway, I'm almost gonna break it thinking about um You know, Hugh, there's just there is no excuse. There is no excuse. Okay? There is No excuse for third and three at the 38-yard line, and we don't even get a 55-yard field goal attempt out of that. There is no excuse for that. As in, there is no reason to excuse that. That is, that's us completely taking ourselves out of a position to win the game because... Of almost going out of our way to be bad coaching, and that's exactly what happened. You 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 run a slow developing play from the shotgun. Baker gets swallowed up. It's fourth and ten. You lose seven yards. Now you're talking about a 62 yard attempt. Which I mean, I still would have rather seen that. But no, we give the ball back to them, and you know, and then, and what do they do? They hit a 59 yarder. And and they win the game, and they deserve to win the game. Actually, really, neither of these teams deserve to win this game. Um, which I said going into it, I was somehow going to come out, figure out a way to uh, uh, be disappointed in both teams. Because I, you know, except for the once every four years they play the Browns, the Buc- i love the Buccaneers. You know, they're they're my now. The comparison is, you know, I. I- I, I'm, I'm pretty much cognizant of what's going on with the Browns at, at any given point in time, like, throughout the day. I really couldn't tell you who, like, all the Buccaneers starters are, uh, for example. So it's not even – and and I have – you know, I could go watch – literally, this is – I could go watch every Bucks game for free if I wanted to, you know, but I don't – instead, I watch – you know, I watch our guys. And so it's – as I say, but – if they're if they're on or they're playing somebody and you know certainly if they're uh, you know when they won the Super Bowl that was a you know a big moment and they're you know they're they're like they're they're my NFC team right but <laughs> but this is a game they they're that's not a better that's not a very good team that's let's just say it like that. that that is just not a very good team uh, Jameis is a good quarterback but that's not a very good team and we 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 still can't beat a a team that's not very good because. While we have a very good roster, we are so terribly coached. We are so badly coached that we're going to lose games like this. We're going to lose games like th- we're going to lose games like this to the Bucks, the Raiders, uh, the Steelers in a in a game where they really played poorly in a in a uh, rain fest, and uh, the the Saints was the other one that. Now, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was kind of a hard luck situation because we had the kicker uh, that had the um, <laughs> the bad the bad groin <clears throat> which we found out later on that it was actually an injury that he had. Tough break for the kid, but uh maybe he'll maybe maybe somebody will pick him up. But we're in a spot where uh again, I, four, at 3rd and 3 from the 38-yard line, there is no excuse for at least, for for not coming out of there at least with a field goal attempt. There just is no excuse. There is nothing that Hugh Jackson can say. There is no excuse that anybody can offer. There's no reasoning that justifies not coming out of that situation with at least a field goal attempt. And, uh, And we didn't. We didn't get that. So we lose. And, and I'm not saying that he would have hit it. I mean, when he tried the 55-yarder against, uh, who was it, against um, Oakland, I think. I mean, it was 20 yards, uh, you know, wide right. But I still want the opportunity. He can kick it from that far. And that was like his second game with us. Uh I still wanted the opportunity I wanted the opportunity for it. that's the point that that's where you, you you go for the win, no matter what I mean you may not come out of there, but we didn't even get a, we didn't even get a shot we didn't even get our shot actually we did we did get our shot, but then Peppers fumbled it. you know I mean after that after blowing that opportunity that we had there, we still the defense hung tough again, and we can't do it because and I can't say that necessarily uh fumbling the ball is bad coaching. Uh, but Peppers is I'm you know I'm pretty much done with him as a returner. I'm pretty much done. That's a you know that's that's he had a muff last week and a a fumble today on the on what led to, and we never got the ball back after that. It doesn't get worse than that. Like you don't you can't possibly screw your team over any worse than that. And not to say and I love the kid you know as a, as a man you know all that I, I I've spoken very highly of his character. I do like him and uh, and all of that. But and, and I think that he didn't play terribly on defense. I didn't really key on him as much as I was kind of watching Garrett and the line for as much of the day as I could. Uh, but he didn't look like he was abused all that often. He actually looked like he was in. Now, you know, there was one play in the uh, first half where I fully, totally, 100% expected him to get called for pass interference. And he didn't but and it, so we got a break there it, because he didn't get his head around but it was a, you know it was it, it was a, it was definitely we all we, we, we should pretty much always expect to get called for pass interference 100% of the time when we do what we did on, what he did on that play. Well we got lucky. All right cool. sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. That's fine. I don't mind. I could take that. Um, and and we we you know there was the share of bogus calls. I mean, referees were the referees are, are they they're as I say it's not it's no use in in getting worked up over them. They are who they are, and they're mostly not good. But uh, you know we're we're just so bereft of of talent at the coaching position. Apparently, even at you know. There's there's probably a reason why you know Todd Haley and Greg Williams are both longtime veterans. They've been on a lot of uh, NFL teams. They've also been fired from a lot of NFL teams. It's probably a reason why uh, that's the case. And you know I I I don't know if it's Haley or I don't know if Hugh has already got his his fingers in the uh, the stew. There with the play calling, because to me a lot of this looks like like it's, but it, it's so predictable. I mean, it is so predictable what we're going to do. And then even if it's not predictable, it's it it's just as predictable that our guys because they are not prepared, they are undisciplined, they're sloppy, and that's why they have illegal blocks in the back, and that's why they have face mask on offensive line. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, on, on big plays that are called on the offensive line. And holding penalties. And th- th- it's, it's sloppy. Remember the game last year, there was like 10 uh, offensive pass interference penalties called on us. And then we had a game where we had, we committed no penal- uh, penalties at all and still lost. I think that was against the Jaguars. You know, Hugh finds every way to do it. And, I, I, and I'm i not going to get into what I think the record would be if he wasn't the coach. Uh, but there's certainly... And there's been a couple games, too, where I've been, you know, he was okay. He was all right. But, no, you get to a point with this. After watching the way that San Diego, you know, San Diego ran, San Diego, my apologies, the Chargers, Los Angeles, they probably ran that end-around play on us like, like 15 times last week, and they all of them, they worked every time. I mean, for big yardage. Big yardage. Bucks only ran it one time and it went for a touchdown. And I and I was wondering but how how does that happen where you it had you you have that happen to you that many times the previous week and you don't like correct that problem for the next week. You know what I mean? It's um it's that's that's not a talent thing. Because I think that we've shown that in in circumstances where the right scheme is actually called, the the talent on this ball club can compete with anybody. You know, our defensive line can beat their offensive line, pretty much no matter who we're playing against. Uh, Our linebackers are fast and athletic. They're just constantly out of position. Now, the secondary, yeah, I think that as we, at whatever point we turn the page on 2018 and look at 2019 draft which uh, happens at varying times. In a normal year, that would happen, you know, after the season. But for us, the last couple years, it's been, you know, probably in 2015, we started looking at it about week five or six. In 2016, we are probably looking at it week, uh, you know, three or four. And in 2016, 17, I was pretty much looking at it after week one, week two. It's different every year, but for... You know for this year I haven't I, you know I haven't really I haven't done any uh, draft looking because we've actually won some games but the time's gonna come soon enough because this is a game you know if you can't pull out a win today if you can't win this game against this team with all of the problems you realize they had to fire their defensive coordinator because their defense was so bad giving up like 500 yards a game and for the most part the defense completely stifled our offense in the first half except for when we did you know but then we get a turnover deep down in their territory defense actually makes something happen and we end we walk we come away with nothing. We come away with nothing because of bad coaching. You know, it's kind of like you get a turnover there in in that circumstance. It was under 2 minutes left. At that moment, the thought should be there is at very worst, at very worst, we are going to get 3 points out of this. Now, I realize that you, you, people have, you know, you want to go for the, and I don't, look at that doesn't mean that I've got a problem with going for it on fourth down. Generally speaking, I don't have a problem with it. I think that if you are, like, probably, depending on the time and circumstance in a game, right, I would say that pretty much midfield on in, and fourth and five or less, I'm probably good with going for it. Mmm just about all the time. Right? That that does that sound pretty good to you? Um I think in this day and age, the way that offenses are playing, um and if I ha- if I end up giving it up to the defense putting them on the field at midfield. Eh, okay, that happens. Not a you know. Not a big fan of doing that, but that could also happen if you go for a long field goal and miss. So, you know, hey. I don't so I, I so I'm not anti go for it on fourth down, but I'm saying that there are scenarios And maybe it's just a matter of I've got kind of my book that I go by in certain down-and-distance circumstances, scenarios. It's like you do these things because of the law of averages and because of tendencies and because of probabilities and because of what teams can do and, and can't do in certain circumstances and because of leverage. And there's all sorts of things that you do in certain circumstances. And in that certain circumstance, what the play is, is you get at least three points before... Uh, and, and also, you're going to do that, and while making sure that there's no chance that the team that you're playing against is going to have another shot at the ball going into half. That's it's a whole thing. It's just, it's the game within the game. It's these, you know, like Bub says, it's it's like playing on the margins. It's when you are, you know, these teams in the NFL. I, I think that this dynamic is so important that when you are a, a, an NFL level player. Uh, you probably at some point somebody along the way found your talent level figured out who you were and were um, that, that you had that sort of talent that you were like this kid is not only good but he could be next level good and I think that for a lot of these guys and this isn't this isn't really a the social commentary or criticism on the world it's just kind of you know balls and strikes pointing out, the world, the way I think that it pretty much is with respect to this particular scenario, which is that a lot of these guys are kind of, from the moment it's discovered that they have this sort of talent, they're really kind of treated differently. You know, they're kind of, uh, and they are the best players on their team. They're kind of ushered through the system as, as quickly as they can and in and ex- and, and as expeditious a fashion as to maximize that incredible talent, which could end up being a very lucrative career. Uh, if actualized. And so the very best players on any given high school team and only the very best players on a given high school team are going to end up going to the next level. And only the very best of the best are the ones that are going to go to the top college Division One schools. And so when you're playing at the college level, you're only playing against the absolute best of the best players that were at the high school level. But still, you know, you can have programs that are – tremendously, you know, you look at Alabama playing against basically anybody, and they are so much, you know, they, they so outclass everybody because their talent is just off the charts. You know, they, they just, they, they have such a feeder system there. Um, so, And you have a lot of that disparity at the collegiate level. But all of those guys, you know, only the very best of the best of all of those college Teams only the very best of the best of those guys are the ones that make it to the NFL, and even the ones that are top of the line, best of the best talent level in the NFL don't make it in the NFL because it requires even more than talent to be successful at the NFL. It requires you know the the, the mental capacity. Of course, that's you know depending on the position you're playing, how important that is, you know from player to player. But you know all of that factors in, and so when you are playing at the NFL level. Everybody that's there on every team, they were all All All-Americans. They were all the top of their high school and the top of their college team. They were all uh, award finalists and so on. They're all the best of the best. The talent level, the talent disparity from the absolute most talented roster in the NFL to the absolute least talented roster in the NFL really isn't all that Vast, unless you're talking about a team that has an elite, elite quarterback uh, versus a team that has, you know, kind of like what we've had for most of our uh, existence in the league the last 20 years, particularly what we've shoveled out there the last couple of years. But you get my point that, you know, other than that qualifier, the to a position talent level to talent level difference in the NFL isn't that vast, which is why, you know, the expression has always been that on any given Sunday, any team can beat any other team, you know, in under given circumstances. There's always a chance because there just isn't a, like people say, you know, Alabama, they could probably play well against the Cleveland. No, if Alabama played against the Browns, the Browns would beat them like 78 to to six. It wouldn't be close because even as good as the Alabama players are, not every player at Alabama is going to play at the NFL level, Uh, but every player on the Browns was, you know, is, is an NFL player. So, and even at this stage of the game, and again, our roster is, I, I, you know, as, as far as just rosters, now that Baker is uh, kind of firmly in place, by the way, didn't look to show any signs of the uh, the bum foot from last week. So he, you know, all that looked good. I think on balance, um, you know, he played, he played all right. But we have him now, so our roster overall is, is you know, at very least, it's, it's, it's league average or probably a lot better because we've got a good player at the key position and we've got a good player at uh, another key position. As it turns out, Desmond Harrison may not be the answer at left tackle that we uh, kind of pronounced him to be after a strong first couple of games, uh, particularly today. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if Joe Thomas, if uh, number 73 was still out there protecting the blind side? But... Didn't didn't happen that way, so we'll be looking at some tackles in the draft uh, next year. Mitch Hyatt is the guy right now that fourth, and Corey like. And I haven't looked at any of the tackles yet. I haven't looked at anybody yet, but that probably would be where we're going to start. Uh, and hey, it's a, you know, it's it's a, it's a thing. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing what Petonio would look like out there if if this continues. You know, if Harrison continues to get manhandled like he looked like for the most part he was today, then I wouldn't mind seeing what Petonio could look like kicked out the left tackle. He looked pretty good out there in preseason. You know, put him out there, put... Bring uh, Corbett in, play him at uh, guard. Give Harrison some time to uh, sit and think about it. You don't have to cut him. You still have him under contract for the next four years. But I'm not getting into all that right now. I don't want to get into too much of the roster churn. I'm just saying that when you have a a, a roster that is relatively speaking, you know at um at or uh, you know slightly above you know league average proficiency, as, as in we can play with and beat any team I think with the talent that we have but it's the margins it's the small things you know they say that the football is a game of inches you know go back to the super bowl last year the patriots are probably the best coached you know they have the best coach probably of all time and they have the best co- the quarterback definitely of all time and yet they won that game with a backup quarterback why because really the talent level isn't that different and, and But more importantly because they just had a superior offensive game plan and they executed it to perfection. You know, I like the combination of a brilliantly conceived and flawlessly executed. And we, for the most part, very poorly conceive everything that we do on offense and defense. And then sometimes we execute it well, but a lot of times we execute it poorly or execute it well and then have stupid penalties. That end up hurting us and killing momentum and look um, I, I can I can throw him a, a bone I could throw Hugh a bone and say that even with all of those unfortunate you know killer I mean just again there were probably four or five or six of them today in just killer circumstances that um, that just wrecked any you know our, our, on both sides of the ball, and yet the team hung in there and uh, played tough and but still it's it 's you know third and, and twenty nine and we give up uh what a sixteen, seventeen yard pass play that give them position to kick a fifty nine yard uh uh pass play. I mean and and he got out of bounds to boot. You know, that's that's the sort of um you know there was I noticed there was a moment there they hit Chris Godwin on like three passes in a row. It was the exact same route. Bam, bam bam. They they picked up A a weakness in our defense, and they just continued to exploit it until we stopped it. And I don't know that we stopped it, they just stopped doing it, because they found other stuff that was working. And for the most part, they were able to run the ball, I mean, really up until the very end of the game, they were moving the ball pretty much as much as they wanted to all game long. And we really didn't have an answer for anything that they wanted to do. Um, And and again, so much of this, uh, you know, give up 26 points to... And really, it should have been more than that, because we shouldn't have even went to overtime. We should have lost the game in regulation. But that's the point. We get another chance, and we don't take advantage of the opportunity, even though we're there in overtime with the ball, third and three, from the 38-yard line, and a field goal wins it. There is no—I can't say this enough. There is no excuse for not coming away with at least a field goal there. There's no excuse for that. And yet, at least a a field goal attempt of 55 yards— and yet we didn't get a field goal attempt. We didn't get a field goal attempt. We end up giving the ball back to them. And we did get the ball back, but then Pepper's fumbled it and then that was it. So, walking out of the stadium <laughs> after all of that, uh, I am, you know, I had the entire uh, thing. Pre- and the whole time that I'm watching this, I'm, I'm like, you know, predicting every wrong move that we're going to make because I know, because I know, because I've watched this guy now for how, how many games is it? 30, 39, 38 games, whatever it's been that I've watched Hugh Jackson coach this team. And I just, I can tell what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to, to all go wrong as it's happening. And was able to um, predict it, you know, pretty much as it was going on. But the guys did, you know, fight back, and you got to give them credit for that. Got to, and and I'm happy generally with the way that Baker performed. You know, rookie game. Was he, I think it was 21 to 31. I saw um, not the best yards per attempt, but you know, two picks. Note not only or two touchdowns, and not only no interceptions, no passes that were especially close. Um, I thought that he, you know, certainly had a bounce back game from last week. And the future's bright. The future... I mean, look. We, lo- we lose the game today. And a game like this... I guess if you want to... You know, I think sometimes people um, will listen to me because they like to get a little bit of... You know, what's the silver lining here? And so far, all that I've... Like, so far, the only silver lining is that it was kind of a fun time for me, you know, personally, to be at the game today. And that I, I love talking to you people about it. But, honestly, the if there's a silver lining... Our rookie quarterback looks fantastic. I mean, uh, what I, I realize that I mean, look at what Sam uh, Darnold did today. Look at what a lot of the other rookie quarterbacks have done this year. And I, I realize Baker had a rough game last week, but you know, look, look, you look at where he is. Compare him to where the other guys are. Compare him to to any, not just any rookie quarterback, any quarterback that we have had playing for this team going back um, any number of years. And the kid makes plays. We get the turnover. We get the uh, punt return, and he immediately goes for the kill shot. Gets it to Jarvo, who ends up, you know, crawling into the end zone to get that touchdown. Uh, made the beautiful pass to Injoku uh, for the other touchdown, and I, I thought he made plenty of plays today. He's he's, you know, that's if you want silver lining, that's the silver lining, and 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 this could be the the you know bigger silver lining is that Hugh Jackson, hopefully, after. And look at I, I keep throwing out the caveat: as long as Meathead gets to pick his guy, um, you know. And I have no idea. I, I, I have no idea. But I'm, I'm pretty much convinced at this point that it's just not going to get better with Hugh. I think that if we had somebody that was, you know, Rob Chudzinski, Pat Shermer, Mike Pettin level, we're looking at probably a uh, probably a five win team right now. And, and I'm not saying necessarily picking which games we would have lost. I'm just saying that it's, that's probably how this all would have uh, gone. I mean, Petten started off 7-4, and four, you know? Um, with, with and, and that roster wasn't as talented as this roster. <laughs> particularly that defense. Holy smokes. I mean, the secondary was. Secondary was, was a very good secondary that first year. But still, the defense gave up a lot of points. And the secondary got, got abused, particularly in the second half of the year. This defense has a lot more talent on it than they had back in 2014. And this offense has a lot more talent on it than they had back in 2014. Um, If Mike Mike Pettin is coaching this team... Well, if Mike Petton were still coaching this team, then chance, then then we wouldn't have, you know, been in, we wouldn't have ever gotten Baker Mayfield. And I guess that's ultimately going to be Hughes' legacy is that he was so bad that we ended up getting the best quarterback prospect to come into the league in years. And and I look at that's I am not even I haven't, I'm not backing down a little bit from that. Yeah, Bake had a tough game last week against the Chargers, but you know, he had a pretty much a bounce back game I thought this week. You know, nothing he didn't light the world on fire, but kid looks good. He's going to get better. He's go. he's just fine out there, but it would be probably better if we got Hugh the hell away from him. And so this game, the Raiders game, the, uh, the, well, the Chargers game was, (laughs) there was, if we play the Chargers 10 times, one time it might be close, but you look at the, uh, all the rest of the, the games that we've played, the Steeler game, the tie, uh, not winning those games, the value is that it probably hastens the time where Jimmy finally says, okay, even I cannot. Even I cannot make an excuse for not getting a field goal attempt out of third and three from the thirty-eight yard line. When when a field goal wins the game. <clears throat> That's there's just no they're just is no way to rationalize that into, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. No, no, that is a, that is a, we we took ourselves out of a position. I'm not, and I'm not saying that Joseph would have made the kick. I'm saying we take ourselves out of a position to even, and look, I'm not saying that you can't necessarily throw a pass there, but it had damn well better be something that is quick developing, so that way you have a chance to either go for it on fourth, and, forth, and I, look, at, if you, if you end up. Getting an incomplete pass, I'm fine with going for it on fourth and three in that scenario. Although, <laughs> well, no, because you at least have to get. Because if you don't get the fourth, if, if, if <laughs> I think there, if it's fourth and two or fourth and one, you go for it on fourth down. But at very least, you should get the field goal attempt. You should get the field goal, and we didn't get. It, we didn't even get that. And I'm just. I'm 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 not I'm not upset necessarily because I mean I'm walking out of that stadium afterwards and the two Bucks guys that, that were sitting next to me they had actually walked down because they were so disgusted after the Collins interception they walked down because they thought the game was over and I'm like oh those dudes you know they don't they don't realize we're, they, they don't know that we're still going to blow this game again I never ever believed we were going to win this thing <clears throat> I ne- never <laughs> n- at no point. Precisely because third and three, I'm thinking there's no way that we don't get out of here with a 58 yard or a 55 yard field goal attempt. But yet I knew that we weren't going to. I knew that it was going to come down to bad bad coaching leading us to do stupid things and putting us in a position where you know we don't even get we don't even get an attempt. And then yeah, Pepper's fumbling is um, kind of icing on the cake. But when I'm walking out of there, uh, those dudes I caught up with them and you know they they were they were they were they were super cool. Um, and that was that was a cool thing about it is that even though we we're you know dis- you know going at it hard they 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 for their team and and uh, we for our team the entire time um, we were we were neighbors at the end of it and that was you know that was pretty cool I dug that but my Falcons buddy as I'm walking out of there he's like you know because he wanted us to win because it, it would have you know theoretically helped uh, the Falcons and he's uh, he's like he's all he's like man holy smokes. He's like, I would be out of my mind if that would have just happened to us, and you're just, like, chill as can be. And I'm like, dude, look at everybody. Because I'm saying this the, the stadium was half Browns fans. So there's Browns jerseys everywhere. And every I – mean, there was a guy wearing a Quincy Morgan jersey. I mean, another dude with Joe Juravicious. I mean, there was every imaginable um, – This, by the way, as an aside, this uh, this uh, guy had never seen the Factory of Sadness video, so I showed it to him. He's like – my favorite part of it is he's like – because he's laughing the whole time. He's like, who's who's – who's who's pont briand and i'm like yeah yeah that was uh, that was our long snapper but i'm like look at these people that are walking by he's like yeah man like there nobody here is in shock like nobody here i'm like yeah dude there's there's in fact the guy that was um that was sitting down in the uh the row underneath me uh that was that was still close he's like at the end of it he's like when when they lined up to kick the field goal he's like well we covered the spread <laughs> <laughs> and he looks right at me, like you get it. I'm like, yeah, man, I get it. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like this dude, he gets it. He knows what's up. You know, you just have that. You got that gallows humor over time. Um, and this team, look, roster wise, we're ready to go. Um, we are just a, a coach away from from kind of these bad times. And look, today was I, I've I've been at the at the butt end of of worse losses than this one. We're just snake bitten at this point. Um, but this is a, this is a team with a talented roster, but just. Such a bad coaching staff, and I, I, have I made that point enough? <laughs> but but the, but the guy was um, he was like you know he he realized like yeah man pretty much everybody they're just kind of chill like yeah you know I'm gonna we're we'll we'll get over it. Um, this is I said this isn't even the most heartbreaking loss we've had this year, uh, th- and I don't know is it is today worse than the Steeler game? Is it? It's not. It's not worse than the Oakland game. It's probably not worse than the Saints game, all things considered. Uh, I don't know, maybe. But, yeah, I'm, I'm – <laughs> it's just kind of how we roll. And I don't expect that – and so you look at the schedule, I don't know who we're playing this year, who's left on the schedule, where you look at them, and if, if they have a good quarterback, uh, we're not going to win that game. If they have an average quarterback, it's going to be tough. If they have an above-average quarterback, we're probably not going to win that game. If they have a poor quarterback, if they have a, an average or below quarterback, we got a shot. We have a shot to win those games. Because um, as good as as um, I I am yeah, very confident that Baker is, and I think he continues to prove that to be... There's only so much that he can do with the limitations of the coaching staff, the way that they scheme this team. The receivers, I think, played better today. Uh, w- way fewer drops, although there were some, but way fewer than what we've had. You know, he and he only missed. You know, like I said 21 out of 31, pretty good um, efficiency numbers, kind of more in line with what I expect. But I expect even better than that uh, as he you know continues to improve. Uh, as, you know, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a little bit more like it. And I don't really. It's not really about the the score, or, or I should say the stat sheet, but you know, Miles, two sacks, pressure all over the place. Uh, Baker going down and doing enough. You know, we start off first and twenty six, and yet Baker makes the play to put us in a position to you know makes makes a couple of plays, makes that. A clutch throw to uh, Landry where it's up high, and that put us down at the 38 yard line. That's when, you know, we're in a shot, we're in a position right there. Baker made that play. Baker has shown a, an ability to go down and put us in a position to win now in every game except for the Charger game. And yet, um, because of the just, it's just, it's, it's, you can set your watch to how poorly. Uh, coached our team is each week as as far as how we will and what we will do to ultimately screw ourselves out of an opportunity. <clears throat> you can you can you can you can count on it. You can count on it happening. Uh, and you know this week was no uh, was no exception. So I think I think we get the Steelers next week. So that ought to be fun. Uh, I fully expect for for uh, that not to be. Uh, I mean, we played him tough in week one. You, you presumably, uh, we'll, we'll play him tough with Baker again. But I don't know. I think that offensively and defensively, <clears throat> when I'm able to accurately predict the entire game and then two Bucks guys, as the game is going on, are able to accurately predict um, what's going to happen as the game is going along. And we're, we're, got, we're in the stands, right? We're not coaches. We're not NFL caliber coordinators. If we can see it, so can everybody else. So so can the professionals, and that's why we lost the game today. And that's why we got our faces kicked in by the Chargers last week. And that's why the Saints beat us. And that's why the Raiders beat us. And that's why we couldn't beat the Steelers. In fact, the only reason we beat the Jets and, was because they had a rookie quarterback, and um, and and you know they weren't prepared for Baker. Um, and the only reason that we beat. The Ravens, quite honestly, I mean, great. It was a great defensive um, effort in that game. I don't want to uh, slight that, but it was it was overcoming, quite honestly, a lot of the uh, coaching. In inif- I, I I probably shouldn't take that game away. That was a nice win. That was a good. That was a good win beating the Ravens. That was a nice feeling, uh, but we don't get too many of those uh, supporters of this uh, beloved franchise. And I think that, uh, we've come to a point here where, uh, that's about all that I really have to say about it. Um, I, I do appreciate, you know, you, uh, always being out there, uh, caring enough about what I have to say about this to, uh, partake of it. I certainly enjoy providing this to you, and one way or another, we'll be certainly doing it in more, um, consistent a fashion. I know that I've been teasing this, but there really are some good, big, cool things coming. Um to announce soon and i'll be looking forward to doing that in due course just almost to the finish line on that but uh just not not quite there but uh until the next time um you will hear from me again my name is easy weave and this is easy does it on the dbn network and uh browns lose to the buccaneers in overtime fourth overtime game we basically played a complete full extra game uh, in um, you know, <laughs> as we are halfway through the season, but uh, a game we certainly could have won. And Dirk Cutter said after the game that we did ev- that they did everything they could to lose that game to us, and yet um, we we certainly were able to snatch defeat from the jaws of potential victory yet again. But you know, it's it's again, it's putting ourselves in a spot where if we kick a field goal at the end of the first half, maybe we win the game in regulation because it's not going, you know, it wouldn't have been a tie game at that point. Or maybe not, you know, I mean, you don't know. But it's just a, it's just so disappointing that uh, we go through this, that we're going to go through this pretty much every week that we're playing a good quarterback. And I'm ready for pretty much whatever. And if, for those of you that have known me for a while... Uh, it, it takes it takes a lot for me to get to here. Uh, I was I was very much of the mind of um, not uh, blowing up uh, Mike Petton and Ray Farmer. I, I I wanted and look, I think that history or, or the the succession of events which has transpired since then would indicate pretty strongly that. Um, we, we certainly were worse off for doing that. At least, I don't think that any argument can be credibly made that we wouldn't have been better the last two years sticking with those guys than we were blowing everything up and doing what we did. Now, that's a separate question and a separate conversation from was it to, the right thing to do, ultimately? And I think that when at the end of that process I'm looking at number number 95 and I'm looking at number 6, okay. Okay, I'm fine with blowing it up and I'm fine with how I'm fine with putting up with all of this. Okay, I'm fine with everything that we've had to put up with to get to where we are right now. But right now, I'm ready for a real coach because we don't have a real coach, we've got a poser, we've got an imposter or we've got a guy that is just completely and totally defeated. But we've got a guy that certainly does not subscribe to any sort of consistent philosophy or seems to indicate any kind of consistent knowledge of situational football that, you know, challenging that play, again, if it's not, like, clear, and it's not like they didn't have time and you know what? I actually confused it. I, I, I thought that it was the... I said that it was the Humphrey uh, catch, but it wasn't. That was the one that they reviewed later on. But earlier on, they... You know, we challenged the play when they were going down the other side of the field. And there was just no... um, There was just no way that... There was nothing there that would have indicated that the play would have been... Because what we were trying to... Um, establish. They called it incomplete. What we were challenging was that the ball was caught and then fumbled. Okay. Do you realize the 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 standard of evidence that you need there? That like kind of borders on the beyond the, the uh, a shadow of a doubt um uh, uh threshold. In order to overturn something like that, right? You would need for one hundred percent clear he caught the ball he made several football moves the ball was definitely fumbled and then clearly recovered by us but no we don't we don't establish any of that instead on a snap call a snap look he throws the challenge flag the call is actually confirmed on a challenge but the thing is in the first half okay go ahead and throw away a challenge i don't care but in the second half particularly in a game that you are losing You don't throw away timeouts. We're three years into this. And he throws away timeouts. Like they're candy. Every game. Every game. Every game it seems we're in a spot late in the game where we need all three of our timeouts. And every game it seems that we have pissed away one or more of them for no reason throughout the course of the game. If you are so lacking in basic football appreciation, again, margins here. You don't, you know, I've heard it said about Jimmy Johnson that he was, you know, very guarded with timeouts. Like, you were not allowed to call. And I think, honestly, a lot of times it's better to just take the penalty, like, on a delay of game circumstance, than to call timeout. Unless it's a real big, you know, situation in a game. But even still, it, it, it <laughs> um, uh, not, or Again, it's different in the first half from the second half. In the first half, if you blow all three of your timeouts, okay, too bad, so sad. You may Maybe you would have needed them, it would have been good to have them, but you blow them, you blow them, it just means that you're not able to capitalize. I'm not saying it's good to blow timeouts even in the first half. I'm saying if you're going to do it, the first half is the time to do it. In the second half, you got to guard those things. you got to be a little bit more deliberate, buddy. Buddy boy. But hey, you know... Uh, I've never sat in his chair right I've never driven his bus it's his bus he's gonna drive his bus you know he knows what it's he knows what it's like to be in the assistant coach's chair and uh but you know he's in the chair right now it's his bus he's gonna drive the bus however he wants it well i'll tell you something pretty soon he's gonna be sitting where I'm at because he absolutely does not be uh, he does not deserve to be coaching a, a professional football team, and I'm very tired. And look, I, I, I'm I'd love to be wrong. I would love nothing more for this to not be the case for him to finally get it together. But there's just no chance. Um, there's just no chance that it's going to to get better. There's just no chance. The, the, the adaptation to what's going on in game just isn't there. It's never there. And so uh, now look if he calls the offense and next week we go out and put up 50 points against the Stillers, then all right, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll revise my tune. Uh, and especially if if Greg's defense shows shows out like they did against the Ravens or like they did in the final couple of drives today. Uh, but again, I think that that has a lot more to do with talent than it does with uh, with with just us being schemed out of our out of our minds. Uh, the whole game. Again, I'm watching that sequence with Godwin, and it's just it's right there, bam, and it's wide open, bam. Next play, wide open, same play, bam. Next play, wide open, same play, three plays in a row, and and that's that, that accounted for about 40 yards in uh, in movement downfield on one of their scoring drives. is what it is, and uh, what it is is a 2-4-1 and one effort, which, hey, look it. if I'd have told you that we'd be 2-4-1 and one after seven games, you'd have taken it. <laughs> How long will it be before uh, we make a move? Eh, who knows. Maybe at this point, the best thing is just let them ride it all the way through, particularly if these games are going to be close like this. Um, or maybe the move is to uh, bring in somebody else, and if uh, all of a sudden we start winning these games then um, then that might not be a, the bad thing uh, to do. But if you bring in somebody and you kind of lose the team and we just get, you know, our faces kicked in for the rest of the time, that, uh, the, for the rest of the season, well, at that point, you know, high draft pick next year, all that. But And then you can fire that interim guy, and then you bring in new guy, hopefully picked, by, picked out by Meathead, and he looks at it and he's like, all right, I got some players here that I can work with and he hopefully will be uh, something of a tactician. you know I fully realize that we can get somebody worse but um, <laughs> I think the chances of us getting somebody better are overwhelmingly in our favor particularly when you are talking about somebody that is quite very possibly the worst coach of all time. And look at I, I probably I, I probably have said look at as many times as I have uh, pointed out how bad our coaching is in this game but to me that's just where I'm at with it. Uh, I, I, that's where I can boil all of this down to. Even though there are some some you know there's some good things about this this football team. Baker Mayfield's a good young quarterback. Nick Chubb is a fantastic uh, young running back, and uh, J- uh, Jarvis Landry had a bit of a bounce back game today. Injoku uh, made a couple of plays, even though he had a couple uh, at least one drop, maybe a, another one I can't recall. Uh, even Damian Ratley showed up uh, and looked better, tighter than he did you know in his for his for his debut game. The wide receivers overall played better. There's there's things to look at. And, you know, you say, okay, all except for the Chargers game, it's another one of these nail biters. Um, But, again, the record is the record. You are what your record says you are. And our record says that we um, are doubly as bad as we are good. And then there's one game in there that was a tie. So, hey, on to Pittsburgh, right? And uh, we'll be, we will be faithful. (laughs) And we will be there for whatever happens against the Stillers a week from now. Again, it has been a pleasure being with you. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It, and uh, we'll uh, we'll always love this team, even on a disappointing day like today. Go Browns, losers, 26-23 in overtime. And uh, that's all for this week. We'll talk to you again next time. Until then, good luck. God bless. See ya. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart.